We are so delighted that we have a great and permanent organist, Kathy Toole. Mostly we see her back up at the organ bench, but I hope many of you are getting to know her. My father died 14 years ago, and I can still hear his voice and remember his laugh when he told this story about a certain organist. On a certain Sunday, the regular organist was out, and a substitute organist came to fill in. And just prior to the worship service, the substitute organist asked the preacher if there was going to be anything unusual that was going to be happening in the service on that morning. And the preacher said that the service would go along just as the bulletin had laid it out. But there would be a point in the service when he would need to ask the congregation for some money. The roof was leaking, the building needed some upgrades and repairs, and he was going to incorporate this into the worship service. So he said to the substitute organist to try to play a little something when I get to that part. So sure enough, the service started unfolding as the bulletin had laid it out, and the substitute organist was doing just fine. And then at a certain point in the service, the preacher began to speak about the needs of the building. The roof was leaking. It, we needed to uh, spend some money. And he said it was going to be expensive. And he said all the money was actually in the room. It was just in the pockets of the people and in their bank accounts instead of at the church. So we asked the church family to think about this and be prepared to make an extra gift. He said, actually, that if they were going to be willing to support the building needs, that he was going to ask them to please stand up to in, in, indicate their commitment. And by their standing up, the church would learn who would be supportive and whether or not they could afford these building upgrades. And with that, the substitute organist launched into a rousing rendition of the national anthem, <laughs> the Star Spangled Banner, and everybody stood up. <laughs> and then that's how the substitute organist became the permanent organist. <laughs> Sometimes things happen that make us see things differently. Sometimes things happen that make us think differently. I'm pretty sure most of you don't keep up with these things, but today is the last Sunday of Epiphany. Ash Wednesday is this week, as you've already heard us announce, and we're having a service on Wednesday night and a meal beforehand prepared by the men, and this launches us into the season of, of Lent. And on this last Sunday of Epiphany, which means showing forth, in, enlightened, enlightening, we have this story of the transfiguration. It was really touched on in that anthem the choir just sang. And the transfiguration is one of the most prominent showing forth moments in all of Scripture. And in the verses that precede this story of the transfiguration, Jesus has just articulated what arguably is maybe the most disturbing and difficult teaching of all. He tells them that he's going to suffer and die and then rise again and then he says that anyone who would come after him must deny themselves 
and take up a cross and follow daily, suffering in a similar way. So the transfiguration, this showing forth, then acts as a kind of reassurance for the disciples and for all of us. It's as if Matthew is reminding us that the way of faith, this calling to be loving people in the world can often be difficult. It can include even seasons of challenge and, and darkness. But fear not. Uh, that's what this story is about. You don't go alone. Uh, the light and the presence and the mysterious and the amazing ways of God will always go with you. So here again, this story, or read along, the words are printed in the bulletin, this story of the transfiguration. It comes today from Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself. And as they were going, coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes things happen that make us want to see differently. It's been quite a whirlwind for these disciples. They have heard Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, all those wonderful but challenging words about what Jesus expects with the coming reign of God. Life is not just about following rules. You've heard it said, but I say this. Life is not just about following rules, but developing a heart, a heart full of compassion and and care. It's not just about doing certain things a certain way. Really, it's about trusting God and living into this promised reign that is certainly emerging. The disciples have also seen Jesus healing people. They've seen Jesus cleansing lepers. They've seen Jesus confronting religious leaders. They've seen Jesus stilling a storm. They've seen Jesus multiplying loaves and fishes and feeding people. And, as he just said, all of this is going to lead to persecution and death, even death on a cross. This transfiguration story starts out with conspicuously specific six days later and a reference to a hike up a mountain. Astute listeners and readers might perk up and recognize they've heard this before, a reference to six days and also related to a mountain. This is how long Moses stayed in the clouds on Mount Sinai before God sent him down, according to Exodus 24. 
There's also this reference in this passage about the shining garments and the white robes. And all of this depicts a very holy moment. Like other holy moments, particularly with Moses, but others too. Maybe even the angels who we find in the tomb, you remember, on Easter morning in their white garments. Then there's this cloud and this voice and all this combines to create what we might call a thin place. A thin place when God's presence and activity come very near. This is the kind of drawing that Matthew is laying out for us. A moment filled with power, a moment filled with glory in the paradigm of the most holy moments that we've seen in other parts of Scripture when God acts, when God speaks when God comes, when God encourages, when God empowers, when God instructs God's people. What's really happening here? What's really happening? It's frankly impossible to explain. It's impossible to know if it was real. It's impossible to know maybe if it's an illusion or not. Impossible to know it's just a memory that someone had or a moment created later and put in the scriptures to make a point about Jesus and who he is. It's hard to know really what's happening. But whatever the scene intends to help us see things differently. We need to see things differently, you and I, because, well, we too can be caught up in the whirlwinds of our lives like the disciples. We, too, can become caught off and focused on other things than what we should be focused on. We're inclined to pay more attention to what our culture values. Throughout every day, we have pressures on us. Maybe it's to look a certain way or wear certain things or worry about certain things. How many times a day does the message come? Creating questions. Are you good enough? Do you have enough? These thoughts generate anxiety and fear. It's what we hear all the time. Are you good enough? Do you have enough? Do you have the latest latest gadget to enhance your life? Is your insurance adequate? Or do you have cut rate insurance that's going to create mayhem? for you when something bad happens? Do you have enough to make it to retirement? That question keeps nudging me. (laughs) Is your life as fulfilling as it needs to be? These questions come and create anxiety and fear. Or here's a question for many of us. Who are you following? And that would be on Facebook, or on Instagram, or on TikTok, or on YouTube. See, in many ways, what our culture values is who and how many followers do you have? And who are you following? This is absolutely big business in these days, and this is the kind of big business where we can get caught up in a whirlwind of voices, and concerns, and anxieties, and questions and we're not sure what our 
purposes really are. Can a, it can carry us a long way from what the transfiguration story wants to teach us. See, the voice in the clouds, behind the dazzling light and all the white garments and all the fumbling and mumbling among the disciples, really wants us to hear two things. This is my beloved. Listen to him. Jesus has just predicted that he would suffer and die on a cross and invited those who seek to follow him to deny themselves and take up their cross and go along. But then this scene, this is my beloved. Listen to him. We have all these other voices and pressures coming at us and coming to us. And Jesus takes the disciples up on the mountain to hear these two messages. This is my beloved. Listen to him. When we really listen, and not to all the loud and clam clamoring and clanging voices swirling around us and our culture, what do we really hear? What might we hear? I hope we hear what we heard at this baptism today. God's love comes first. God's love covers us. Life is a gift from God. God's love is a gift, and it's meant to guide us all our days because that love goes with us, never leaves us, and fulfills itself in us, through us. And our calling in response is to love God and love, uh, love God's people in the world, following Jesus. I hope we hear, regardless of whatever you're dealing with today, that encouraging word from Jesus that we often need to hear. Come to me those who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Because what Jesus knows is that life is very tiresome. Life can be super burdensome. And Jesus meets us where we are and then keeps saying, now go and love and serve. I hope we hear that we're so loved and sustained by God, the message of baptism, that we treat everyone we meet in the way that we want to be treated, with compassion and respect. Our calling is to spread help and care wherever we go. We recognize the face of Jesus in every person we meet, especially the less fortunate, especially the underprivileged, especially the orphan and the widow and the forgotten and the lonely and the hungry and the thirsty and those who need a shower. How we treat them is how we treat Jesus, he reminds us. When we listen to Jesus, we know we belong to the shepherd who knows all of his sheep. We know that worrying about life gets us nowhere. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap, and yet God feeds them. When we listen to Jesus, we root our lives in God's care, and we focus our lives on Loving God and loving others. Forgiving, sharing, spreading light and peace. Sometimes we need to see things differently in order to hear. In order to reframe our days. In order to be moved to a little more faithfulness. A little more commitment. 
a little more purpose. We seek to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. We need to see things differently. And here's how we, this passage might speak to some of you today. A church in transition, which is where we're heading in a couple of months, usually opens the way for two different options for people in the congregation. When a transition comes in pastoral leadership, there are some who take the option of stepping back, waiting, watching, assessing, and reassessing. Or the other option is, during a leadership change, is in order to maintain a health and vital congregation to step up, step forward, step in, step toward, recognize that your energy and gifts and devotion are really and truly needed. The bulletin reminds us on the back that we're all ministers, all of us. And life is always full of change. But remember, the voice says, this is my beloved. Listen to him. The story of the transfiguration is to get the, the attention of the disciples and get our attention as well and help us get on and stay on the journey of faith and life with fortitude and courage and confidence that God goes with them and their life is about serving God. So we listen and we trust God's presence and care and we keep seeking to step up, step in, step forward, embody with our own lives and our relationships, our actions, our compassion, our commitments, the peace, the love, the joy, the justice that God intends in the whole world. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To hear again about your love and your promises and your purposes and to commit our lives to serving you, well, that is to abide forever. We seek that way, following Christ our Lord. Amen.